Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Josh Carr Show. Today we'll be talking about the fiery debate between Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, the last one before the Iowa caucus. And here's the thing, there was a lot of boring moments in this debate. I'm only going to be talking about the interesting things that actually happened during the debate. And I'll just say right off the bat, the debate was not as fun without Vivek Ramaswamy there. You need Vivek Ramaswamy to be talking over Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. It just wasn't the same without him, so... It was, a, it was a good debate overall. I mean, there were some good moments, especially some attacking of Donald Trump, which was definitely necessary for both of them, as we'll talk about. It's, uh, it wasn't enough, but uh, without Vivek Ramaswamy, there was a little bit of a oomph missing, and, uh, you know, I'm sad about it. I hope to see him in further debates, even though I think he will probably drop out if he doesn't make, uh, if he doesn't win the, the Iowa caucus, which seems low a low likelihood at this point, and that's just the way it is. Um, but what I'm going to do today is I'm going to be talking about Ron DeSantis first and then Nikki Haley, some of their moments, pretty much their highlights from the debate and what was interesting and how there was this kind of dichotomy between the two and what was so fascinating about it. And I'm not saying that this is super cut and dry, but you started to see this dichotomy between establishment and non-establishment. And obviously Nikki Haley is the establishment and Ron DeSantis is a non-establishment. Now here's the thing. I know what you're thinking. Ron DeSantis is the establishment. In some ways, sure, he is. But as we're going to talk about, there are, because of the donor class and how it's moved with Nikki Haley, it's very clear that there are certain policies that she has to go for. Whereas Ron DeSantis, um, he almost has this safety in being able to publicly just say that he's still figuring out some of what he wants to do. Uh, and for the stuff that he knows for a fact he wants to do, he points towards Florida um, and talking about what he already did. Let me just start off. The best moment of the night for Ron DeSantis was basically he his argument, and he made this towards the end of the debate, Was and he should have made it towards the beginning of the debate because nobody was watching by the end of the debate, the debate because it was two hours long on CNN, and no one wants to watch CNN for two hours. But anyway, his best moment of the night was basically his argument was, what good is Trump to us? if these January 6th trials are the only message of 2024. And he's not even, like he didn't make the argument that Donald Trump should be convicted of any crimes or that January 6th was this monumental moment that Democrats are saying it is, but he's just simply saying, we know already that the narrative on the left is that it's, you know, Republicans are anti-democracy and that democracy is at stake. And he's saying, if Democrats can focus in on this, what good is Donald Trump to us? If he's barred from elections, whether it's fair or not, if he's barred from elections in certain states, Colorado doesn't matter so much, but Maine, on the other hand, matters. Maine always gets at least one of, the, they're one of those special states where they can split up their electoral votes, but usually at least one goes to the Republicans. And so if you're counting that out, you're, you could be in serious trouble as a Republican. And he's basically just saying, why are we risking that? Which was very interesting. I haven't heard a single Republican make that argument. I'm not even saying that it was the right argument for DeSantis. I don't know if it was. I, I, I kind of almost need to think about it more. But he had to do something. Uh, I mean, he's losing. He's losing. He's starting to lose ground with Nikki Haley, as we're going to talk about. But he's certainly losing to Donald Trump. And so what it comes down to is he has to do something drastic. And I wish that he had steered more into this. He made this argument, but it was almost like he was holding back a little bit because obviously you need Trump voters at this point in order to win the primary. And uh, anyway, it was his best moment of the night, but if he had made it the whole night, he probably would have had a pretty good night. 
some smaller notes about DeSantis. He showed some humanity at the beginning of the debate. He was pretty shaky, uh, which is pretty normal. If you're in a you know high-intensity situation, you're going to be a little shaky at the beginning and then get a little more confident. And you could see that with him. And I, I do kind of almost appreciate that about him. Obviously, you want a competent and uh, humble and confident leader. Um but at the same time, like to see a politician get up there and not be nervous at all almost makes you a little freaked out, like they're an alien or like they've done this too much. And to see DeSantis be just a little bit nervous, it wasn't that he wasn't confident in what he was saying, but he just his voice was a little shaky, showed some humanity and some nerves. And I thought that was interesting because I don't know if I've really heard that from him in other, uh, in other forums. Uh, but his message was very clear during the night. I don't make promises. I fulfill them. That was what that's what DeSantis talked about all night. When he attacked Donald Trump, his attack on him was, generally speaking, Donald Trump made a lot of promises. Some of them he fulfilled. A lot of them he didn't. And the ones that he called him out on, he was right. Like, Donald Trump did not fulfill them. Talking about building a wall and having Mexico paid for it. Nobody can argue that Donald Trump did that. He didn't do it. Didn't happen. Cutting into the bureaucracy. Donald Trump did not cut the bureaucracy. In fact, he probably increased it a lot. Especially spending. I mean, spending and bureaucracy are kind of separate issues, but... Growing the executive branch certainly was something that Donald Trump did and he promised not to do when he was president. DeSantis basically called for everybody. In, I mean, he just said, he's like, every promise that I made in my gubernatorial race, I fulfilled. And that's honestly a pretty, I, th I think that's a good message. The only problem is, is he's been making this message for a long time now and it's not working. Like to me, logically, that that really resonates with me. I, I really like Ron DeSantis for that reason. Because even though I love people like Vivek Ramaswamy, I don't mind Donald Trump on a policy level. When it comes down to it, of all of the candidates who can look you in the eyes and say, everything I promised, I can deliver on, Ron DeSantis has the highest credibility, hands down. Even if you have a Vivek Ramaswamy saying things that maybe you even like a little bit more than Ron DeSantis, you still run that risk of not really knowing how it's going to shake out. He's never been in an executive position in the government. Ron DeSantis has. So I think that is a smart argument. Again, I don't think it's resonating with voters as well as maybe me. But uh, I mean, certainly couldn't hurt him. Uh, DeSantis also kept saying that Haley, this is kind of one of his weaker moments of the night. He kept on saying that Haley was caving. Like he, he kind of had this quip that he was going for over and over again, saying that Nikki Haley just caved left and right uh, when pressure was put on her. He failed to give us examples of that. And I don't even like, I don't, I don't even doubt that. But people like Vivek Ramaswamy, on the other hand, this is why I missed him in this debate, he would literally just call her out for it. Like he would talk about how, oh, by the way, Nikki Haley, uh, you support Ukraine because you're making all this money from the military industrial complex. Like Ron DeSantis didn't have the brass to say that. Vivek Ramaswamy did. That's why I love him. Uh, and it was missing from that debate. You can't just call, like you can't just say people suck at something without saying why or pointing to their history, especially when they're, they've already been an elected official. Like... That's your ammunition, right? To look at their history and call them out for it because government is hard. It's really hard. And at the end of the day, no one's going to be perfect. So you might as well shove in their face all the things that they've done wrong. And DeSantis didn't really do that. He wasn't very specific about it. Here was the most interesting thing that he said of the night, just about his personal policy. Uh, and I have a feeling a lot of people who I, I talk about this a lot in my podcast about immigration. I think a lot of people find this very interesting. He talked about how Mexico will be paying for the wall. Like he's going to fulfill that, that promise, but he actually got into specifics on how it's going to be done. And I have a few questions, but I, I really tend to lean towards liking 
this policy. Essentially what he said was that Mexicans are going to be paying remittances on coming here. And that's how Mexico, more like Mexican citizens, are going to be paying for the wall. So in other words, you have a farm in California. This farm, whether we like it or not, agriculture is mostly done by immigrants. A lot of Mexicans come over. I know this. I lived in rural Washington for two years and and I speak Spanish, so I know a lot of uh, Mexicans there. And most of them were working in agriculture. Now, a lot of them were here illegally, but many of them were also here legally. They weren't citizens, but they were residents. Uh, they were, you know, they had green cards, they were working, and that's how they were able to be here. And so what Ron DeSantis is basically saying is, those people who want to come here because we pay much better, what they do is they usually send money back to Mexico. And what he is saying is all the money that they make here, they're going to have to pay almost a bit of a tax. Uh, they're already paying you know, certain taxes, but they're going to have to pay an extra tax for being here. And all that money is going to go towards the border wall. I think this is really smart, partly because Mexico has a great incentive to allow illegal immigrants to come through. This will really cut down on their incentive to come through. My questions about this is I do, I am curious just what that remittance will look like. And obviously you have to find some sort of balance where it's not too much of a tax where people start being incentivized to go to other countries because at the end of the day, we do kind of need immigrants for our agriculture. Uh, you could make an argument that Americans will fulfill that more, but as of now, uh, Americans tend to be a lot lazier and they don't wanna do that kind of work uh, if we're being honest with ourselves. And so, Again, you just have to be careful that you're able to build that border wall, but you're not discouraging labor, cheap labor from coming in. And, and at the end of the day, that's what it is. And I'm not saying it because I like it, but that is how it is. And that's why uh, you see Democrats that are trying to get people to come over illegally because it is cheap labor for the United States. Uh, and I'm not calling for that. I'm calling for legal labor labor to come across. But again, if you're going to have legal labor, they should be pyramids to the wall. And I'm just curious what that amount would be so we don't discourage people from being able to come over legally. With that, I want to talk, oh, oh, excuse me, really quick, before I get to our first sponsor of the podcast, I do want to talk about a really good moment that DeSantis had as well, where he was talking about how corporate Republicans uh, would have caved to Disney because Nikki Haley essentially started going off on him. And there was a question asked to him about how he's handled Disney. And the angle that a lot of Republicans against DeSantis have taken is, wow, like you're so anti-capitalism because obviously Disney is a company. It's a U.S. company. And, uh, and, and they're trying to make it sound like DeSantis is, you know, anti-capital. But he, he had a really good rebuttal to that, which is just simply that all corporate Republicans like Nikki Haley or Chris Christie would have caved to Disney. And that is so true. Like, you know, that's true that if Nikki Haley or Chris Christie were the governors of Florida and they had a little bit of a battle, maybe a, a cultural social battle, just like uh, DeSantis is having with Disney, that they would threaten in some way to, I don't know, maybe take funding away from their campaign if they were funding their campaign before. And you just know that through the inner workings of those super PACs, people like uh, Nikki Haley and Chris Christie would cave in a moment and give Disney whatever they want. And again, this is why I'm putting DeSantis in kind of this non-establishment role, because if you really look at what he's doing, he's basically saying, I don't give a crap about the money from you, Disney. I'm fighting you on social policies, which was the problem Republicans had forever, was that they weren't fighting on social policies. Why? Because these companies did not want them to, and they needed to follow the money. I mean, we're talking about the Koch brothers, I mean, all these BlackRock companies uh, as well 
that they they sure they fund Democrat candidates, but they fund Republican ones too. And his point about how uh, the Republicans would have just caved to Disney was absolutely true. Really quick, guys, before we move on to Nikki Haley, uh, I'm going to be talking a lot about Ukraine and Israel with her because she had some fascinating comments that were actually really cringy. Uh, but I do want to talk about this first sponsor. They are Gulag America. Guys, I've been partnered with Gulag America for a while now. Why have you not gotten their stuff yet? Go to gulagamerica.com and get their patriotic apparel. It's super high quality, guys. I super love it. It's really cheap. Like It's, it's very well priced. They've got stuff for warm weather, cold weather. Go check them out. If you use my code JoshCar10, you will get 10% off. Again, that's JoshCar10 at gulagamerica.com. Now, talking about Nikki Haley, I don't drink, guys. I'm not a drinker, but if I did, I and I, if I ever played a drinking game, I would have perished if I had taken a drink every time Nikki Haley said DeSantisLies.com. Now, if you didn't have an opportunity to watch this debate, and I sincerely hope you didn't because it was too long, she referred pretty much pretty much every question. I don't know if this was like a strategy for her, but it really it was truly every question that she was given. She responded with something along the lines of. DeSantisLies.com, which is a website that her and her campaign set up to show about all the lies that Ron DeSantis had said about Nikki Haley. Now, here's the thing. I went to the website. Some of the stuff on the website is really good. Some of it's kind of crap, but she said it way too much. She said DeSantisLies.com so many freaking times during this debate. It got kind of annoying. Um, I Again, it's an interesting strategy to, to me because is Ron DeSantis ahead of Nikki Haley? Yeah, maybe by a smidgen, right? The, the momentum is certainly with Nikki Haley. But somebody is up 40 points on you. Why do you not make like a TrumpLies.com? Don't make it, like he's not really your enemy. And I'm not saying this because I'm trying to protect Ron DeSantis. I'm just saying on a purely strategic level, you got to take out Trump, man. Like he is way ahead of you. And so, I don't know, I didn't really get the point of it. I mean, the whole point of the debate was kind of ludicrous in the first place, and, I, and I'll talk about that at the end, but like, you've got second and third place. You need first place there, or what's the point in having the debate? In any case, Nikki Haley's big gaffe of the night was on foreign aid. There was a lot of talk about Ukraine and Israel, which is great because that's where a lot of Republicans differ, right? You've got people more like Vivek Ramaswamy and a little bit of Ron DeSantis, and then you've got the Chris Christie's and the Nikki Haley's. DeSantis pointed out during this debate that Nikki Haley says that she, she's basically saying that she wants to give unequivocal support to Ukraine, but she never talks about how the war ends. And no one does on that side, by the way. And what was crazy is that DeSantis pointed out that anytime Nikki Haley has talked about the war ending, it's gone with the admittance of Ukraine to NATO. And that essentially means that we're going to send tons of cash and weapons to them because if it's a NATO country, we have the obligation to send cash and troops to help them. So basically, I mean, one of his best moments of the night was he said that uh, you can take the ambassador out of the UN, but you can't take the UN out of the ambassador. And that's exactly right. The UN is a failing institution and the underlying philosophies that Nikki Haley has are really ridiculous. She said literally the words, quote, give Israel whatever it wants to end Hamas. Now on your surface, you might listen to that and you might say, yeah, I mean, Hamas is evil. You know, 90% of Americans agree that Hamas should be obliterated and that Israel should have the right to do that. Um, but give Israel whatever it wants to end Hamas? No. It's, I mean, Israel can handle that on its own. We don't even need to get involved in that. Like, Israel Israel already wants to do that. That, like, 
It's so clear. We want Hamas dead, yes. Israel wants Hamas dead, awesome. So just let Israel do it. It's a win-win for us. We don't have to send the money. Hamas is gone. Uh, throughout the whole, basically the whole debate, she's talked about how it's all about freedom. We're fighting for freedom. She's taking this foreign policy strategy that basically uh, George Bush had, which has no limits on it, talking about how we need to send money to people to ensure that freedom is across the world. And she forgets that she is running for commander in chief of this nation. I know that she believes in immigration reform. I know that she's trying to um, also, I also believe that she's trying to shut down the Southern border, which is good. But at the end of the day, Nikki Haley is trying to be a president for the world. And that's not what the U S president should do. The U S president is in charge of the United States, not Ukraine and not Israel. And yes, we can help them with all the intel we want. We can even show them how our military functions so they can be a more efficient military. But we should not send them weapons, we should not send them cash, and we should not send them troops. And Nikki Haley the whole time talked about how we should send them weapons and weapons and weapons. She conceded at one point that we should not send cash to Ukraine because obviously it's being used incorrectly. But I go a step further and I don't think it makes sense to send them weapons at all. And Nikki Haley has basically said there are no limits to what we should send Ukraine, which is ludicrous. And I think for those who had ears to hear during this debate, they were so turned off by that. Um, I certainly was. This was the best argument. I, I, obviously, you can tell I don't love Nikki Haley. It's no secret. But here's the, here's the thing. She had a really good argument. And this argument was so good that it almost makes me want to vote for her in the primary. I know that sounds crazy, but when you hear what the argument is, and it is based in facts, by the way, and logic, uh, maybe you'll be persuaded as well. So here's what she said. She basically said that in every poll, well, not in every poll, but in a recent poll and in most polls, Haley beats Biden by 17 points. That's a real poll that came out. I'm not sure you could say polls, you know, are inaccurate. Yeah, they're inaccurate sometimes. I agree with you. Trump against Biden wins by about two points on average, okay? But like you just said, polls sometimes can be, uh, you know, a little shaky. So does two points really inspire confidence in me? No, it doesn't, okay? DeSantis, on the other hand, loses in today's polls by a little bit, maybe about two points. Now, again, do I think that this matters a ton? No, again, two points, not a lot. 17 points, though, is a lot. And here's the thing. Everyone can agree. We don't want Joe Biden to be president. Do I think Nikki Haley would be a better president than Joe Biden? Of course I do. Are you crazy? Because what? Joe Biden's going to keep sending aid to Ukraine. Is Nikki Haley going to do that still? Yes. But at least our southern border is going to be secure. At least the economy is going to rebound, right? It's not going to be the best, but it's definitely going to be the best between her and Biden. And so that was a very good point from Nikki Haley. Again, similar to the best point that Ron DeSantis made. She needed to make that the whole theme of the night. And she did not do it. And if she had done that, I think, I mean, she's still getting momentum, but I think if she had done that, she may have even swayed some listening Trump supporters. Really quick, guys, I do want to talk about uh, just a couple other things about the debate. Before we do that, I do want to get in a word about our second sponsors. Hey, babe, do you know where we stored Milo's leash? I think he's finally old enough to start walking. It's in a bin in the garage. Normally, I'd be upset that I have to rummage through bin after bin. But I don't have to because I have smart labels. I already know where I stored my stuff because last week I put a smart label on my dog bin, created an online label and scanned it with the free smart labels app, cataloged the contents of the bin, and now I can simply search it in my app and know where to find it. The best part is the first year is free. So go check out your smart labels at Amazon or Walmart.com. 
Now talking about the overall thoughts that I have about the debate, I thought the CNN moderators did a pretty good job. I was really surprised in the past. Liberal media tends to be really strict. I mean, you saw it with, uh, I think it was NBC uh, that did the, the second or third debate. They were just so stinking intense about the debate where it can't breathe at all. And they're not really interacting and it's worthless. And so I was expecting that from CNN, but they didn't do it. They actually let the debate breathe quite a bit, which is easier to do when there's two candidates. And I, for that reason, I thought the debate was a lot better than some of the past debates because they were actually able to have an interaction and attack each other, which some people are like, I hate it when you know they're being rude and attacking each other. I think it's great. I think we need to hear about the dirt on both of these uh, individuals because that's how we make an informed decision. And of course, they are the prime person to attack the other person. They have the most incentive to do it. Uh, I did appreciate them just like putting up the questions on the screen so that we could be reminded when candidates don't actually answer the questions. And overall, I just thought the, the debate was moderated well. Again, we needed Trump to be there. My overall thoughts are the debate is useless if Donald Trump doesn't have to be up on the stage defending his views and some of the frankly very non-conservative things that he said on transgender individuals as well as abortion recently. And this was pointed out by DeSantis and Nikki Haley, but it doesn't really matter. They need to actually talk to him. It's not a matter of them just calling him out unless that call out is much stronger, but it, it wasn't very strong. Uh, I can only assume that they both have some sort of intel uh, or some, like they have to have some sort of reason that they believe they're going to win the Iowa caucus because they're just not being drastic enough. They're playing the same game they've played the whole time and they're losing. And so I have to think that they know something we don't or someone's lying to them. I'm guessing someone's lying to them. Usually when you're in a position of power, people try to make you like them. And uh, that's one of the sad realities of politics is a lot of our politicians are in the dark because people are too afraid to actually tell them the truth. I think that is the case for Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. It's certainly the case for Donald Trump as well, but I believe he's actually winning. Um, overall, the winner of the debate was probably Nikki Haley. And uh, DeSantis, for me, I thought his arguments were much better, but it's very clear to see with the momentum she has that people resonated with her arguments more. Um, she was pretty tenacious up on the stage. And, uh, you know, there is some, uh, again, like I said, there's some momentum. Uh, Iowa is not a done deal. She could win it. New Hampshire, she could certainly win. Uh, it's Unlikely, I think Donald Trump will still win, but I think it is much different today than it was just a month ago. Um, and and that is a very interesting dynamic and a, and a very interesting change going into the Iowa caucus, which will be on Monday. As always, guys, that is the end of my podcast, but thank you so much for watching. Uh, I, I started this podcast about a year ago, if you can imagine it. So I uh, just appreciate everybody's support, uh, as well as please subscribe down below if you haven't already. If you got a little bit of entertainment or value out of this show, see you next time.